Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Carissa Mom Podcast with the HR Twins. We're so glad that you could join us today and so excited for this episode. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining the Career Salon Podcast with the HR Twins. We're super excited to be kicking off our Black History Month series with our guest, Rocky Howard. Rocky is acknowledged as one of the top 100 minority executives two years in a row. She's currently the Chief Diversity Officer for Smart Recruiters. She's the host of the Voices of Diversity and the Grown Woman Life podcast, creator of the Grown Woman Life Power Players List, and a tenured talent acquisition strategist. With a background in recruitment and talent acquisition leadership and lean project management and HR certifications, her 20-plus year career spans over diverse industries, including banking, retail, manufacturing, distribution, pharmaceutical, and insurance. With several obstacles in her way, Rocky climbed her way from entry level to executive leadership. She is a proud, over 40, Black Christian wife and mom who prioritizes being a voice for the underrepresented. She is on a mission to help our customers disrupt the intersection of diversity and recruitment and create systems that lead to simple, sincere, and sustainable diversity solutions. She believes if we change the lives of the underrepresented, we change the world. Please welcome Rocky into the salon. Welcome to the Career Salon Podcast with the HR Twins. We are kicking off our February Black History Month series, mm-hmm. and we are starting it off with the queen, Rocky Howard, <laughs> Chief Diversity Officer at Smart Recruiters, you know, talent leader, podcaster, all amazing Black woman, human being. Um, we have been loving connecting with Rocky <laughs> prior to us hitting record. So we are so excited that you all get to experience Rocky for yourselves and learn all about her. We're going to talk about pretty much a hodgepodge of things. DEI, being a Black woman in corporate America, you know, so on and so forth. I'm all, I've already kind of read to you all her bio, but I want Rocky to kind of sum up Rocky, who Rocky is. Not the Rocky on paper, but who is Rocky Howard? So Rocky, I'm swinging it over to you to tell everybody who you are because you're amazing. Oh, well, thank you. What's up? What's up, ladies? You know what I was, I was saying, I'm, I, I rock a ball fade, so I don't go to the hair salon anymore. So I needed some salon time and I'm so glad to be in the career <laughs> salon today, right? And to be with you, um, beautiful women. So who am I? So I identify as being she, her, black, Christian, Gen X, wife and mom. And mm-hmm. and those are just some of the most important aspects of my diversity of how I show up in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also identify as being bold, brilliant, and badass. Um, yes. the way I show up in the world. And, you know, I just, I just think those things put together, I have spent my career in recruiting and talent acquisition for the last 30 years. Um, mm-hmm. It has been a heck of a journey. I've loved every moment. I've been blessed to do what I love to do for a living. And over the last couple of years have moved into the podcasting space mm-hmm. because for me, that's all, that's always been, both of my podcasts are about giving voices and platforms to people who are typically not recognized. And that's a very important important thing to me. Um, I I think the most important thing I do in my life is to be a wife and mother. It's very, very important to me. It's the most important job I do. And it is the most important honor I've ever been awarded, put upon, whatever you want to say it. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the ways that I show up in the world, ladies. And I am currently loving my dream job as being a chief diversity officer and being able to disrupt that intersection of diversity and recruiting and tech. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So I want to ask you the first question. Uh, Carla usually asks the first question, but this has been burnt ever since I, you know, learned about you. And I saw even Torin had posted when you um, got the job at, <laughs> at Smart Recruiters. And I was like, oh, Rocky, oh my goodness, I have to have her on a podcast. But I, let's keep it real, Rocky. Yes, let's since, go. You know, some instances, some things have happened over the past couple years mm. that are not unique, you know, as far as Black people 
being killed in the street, like, you know, police brutality, all of those things. And since then, the roles of chief diversity officer, director of diversity inclusion feels like I feel like every time I scroll LinkedIn, there's a new officer. And these roles have always been around in, in corporate, but now it's like coming to the forefront and things like that. So how do you think companies can approach DEI with a genuine action versus just checking a box to the external social status quo? Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I, you know, uh, much love to King Torin. You call yes, me the yes. queen. I'm the queen. He's the king, right? So much <laughs> yes, love to, to Torin. He is amazing. So let's take a step back. I'll be really, really real. When George Floyd was murdered last year and we saw this increased focus on diversity, my first reaction was to be pissed off yeah. um, because I felt like this these murders have been happening in our community even before we got on the boat and came over here. And so my problem and my visceral reaction was we've got all these people sitting at home with nothing else to do because it's COVID. And now y'all want to jump in and get interested in something that I've spent my life knee deep in and my life dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. As a, as a black woman, as a, a black mother, as a black wife. And I believe, let me just be clear. I believe in all dimensions of diversity, right? Yes. But specifically, we're kind of talking about Black Lives Matter and that 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 roll up, right? So my mm -hmm. initial reaction was to be just really pissed off that people just didn't have anything better to do. Here's the thing, though. I also identify as being Christian. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a very important part of my life. So I had to say a whole bunch of words. <laughs> right. um, and I had to to lead with what I tell people to do, to lead with positive intent. And so what I do think has happened over the last year, especially, is that we do have people out there who are now becoming allies and now becoming advocates and saying, okay, look, I, I can't roll like this anymore. I can't bury my head in the sand. I just can't anymore. And I think that there's also a shift. I think what COVID has done to us, what Black Lives Matter has done to us, and especially when it's happened together, is I think now there's a call for organizations to be more socially profitable, right? Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. just about the profit that we're making in terms of dollars, but it's about the impact that you're having in the world. So I, I think that's what's happened. And so now make no mistake about it. There's still a lot of people that are fronting and doing performative stuff and checking the box because they know if they don't do it, they're going to get called out. And I believe what's going to happen this year is a lot of those people, we, we have a phrase in our house, y'all, I hope I ain't going to offend y'all audience, but we got a phrase in my house that says, don't let your mouth write a check that your ass can't cash. <laughs> I think a whole lot of folks wrote checks last year, but what's going to happen is they're going to be asked to cash it. So yeah. look, do I think that um, everyone that hired a chief diversity officer has made a systemic commitment to change their culture, to change their environment, to change their ways of working. No, I don't believe that. I do believe a lot of companies did. And okay. I do believe a lot of companies are looking for those CDOs to drive them and help them through that change. I fundamentally believe that people are good. I fundamentally believe people want to do the right thing and they just don't know how to. But y'all, mm -hmm. it's time for us to stop talking. It's time for us to start doing some stuff. Right. right. And that's why I'm excited to be with smart recruiters, because we we owned. Look, this is where we are. But we not only want to change our company, we want to change the industry. We want to change how people move this forward. And so much so that we're going to create frameworks and all types of things that we're going to offer to any company who wants to take it for free, because we don't want y'all to have any more excuses about, I don't know. Right, right. So awesome. I know Camille said, she mentioned that a lot of people were getting into diversity, equity, inclusion. As we scroll LinkedIn, there's a million jobs out there. All of a sudden for uh, diversity, equity, inclusion partners. So some people do want to do that work. 
Absolutely. So what are some of the suggestions that you have for those people that want to start doing that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good question. I think that a great way to break into anything that you want to do, whether it's diversity or, you know, I want to be a swim coach, right, Mm -hmm. is to go out there and practice and to go out there and create opportunities for yourself where you can show that you've been able to deliver on an outcome. Right. Mm -hmm. And those opportunities happen in multiple ways. Right. So with all of the things that are going on across the multiple dimensions of diversity right now, I can't imagine that there's not a ton of volunteer organizations or volunteer opportunities or consulting opportunities or podcasting opportunities or Mm -hmm. blogging opportunities, all which are in someone's sphere of control where they can go out and say, this is how I can impact this. And so I think first you have to step back and ask yourself why. Yeah. Always start with your why. You know, is it why because it's popular right now and it's cute or is it why because I have really a fundamental value that I want to be able to do this? And then I think, too, it's how can you impact the industry? What how do your skills align? Right. And Mm -hmm. so for me, when I and I'll, I'll wrap that together, one of the reasons why I loved the chief diversity officer role at Smart Recruiters, because I don't feel like I would have been the best fit for a lot of companies as a CDO. And I don't yeah. think it, it they would have been a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. But I could then take my 30 years of recruiting experience and work with talent acquisition leads to right. help them shift how they look at diversity. And I could take all this experience and I dive deep in the intersection of diversity and recruiting. Right. Mm -hmm. With that having been said, I had also had several years of success in implementing strategies and having diversity outcomes. So I made the um, involve and Yahoo Finance's top 100 minority executives list because Mm -hmm. of outcomes that I had had within the space. Right. So because I was a leader who practiced what I preached and I was Mm -hmm. able to get to a point where I had a team that when you looked at the team, it was more than 52% cultural diversity, about that same gender diversity. LGBTQ was probably around 15%. That was about 15%. In fact, the best compliment I ever got is uh, one of my white male leaders under 30 walked into his first meeting and said, I've never sat in a meeting where I've been the minority and I love it. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it's about how do you get credibility and how do you get practice where you can then show value Mm -hmm. in a particular place that you want to move and say, this is what I've done. Not this is what I want to do, but this is what I've done. And if you give me the opportunity, I can expand that even more. Right. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> they, I'm going to have a pause because Rocky just said a whole word <laughs> for people out there that want to get into DEI. So I appreciate that, Rocky. That's I think uh, a lot of our audience will really appreciate that advice, man. So you kind of reflected on that diversity is about everything. It's not about one singular thing. It's not about... No. Black or brown is not about, you know, religion, one thing. Right. And I think the language these days is all it's been around. Diversity is equivalent to being black or brown or people of color, BIPOC, whatever you want to say. Right. So. Well, is it BIPOC? Is it epic? Is it right. fame? Is it black? Is it minority? What is it? Right. right. So <laughs> a lot of that language around diversity has become very singular um, with you know, people these days. So what is your definition of diversity and how should people, you know, at companies or just in general, talk about diversity when in conversations at work? I don't think that there is a singular definition of diversity. I think that there are multiple dimensions of diversity. Mm -hmm. And then once you pick through the multiple dimensions of diversity, there's then the intersectionality of all of those dimensions of diversity, Mm -hmm. right? So 
when you think about diversity, to your point, where we tend to focus is or what you hear the most is about four or five different categories. It's about yeah. gender, race, ethnicity. Yep. Um, it's about sexuality. Um, it's about veteran status. And if you're really, really sexy, then you start to talk about differently able and neurodiverse. And then mm-hmm. people think, oh, I've checked those five and I've, I'm good. But yeah. if you guys just Google dimensions of diversity, you will get a graphic that shows you multiple levels and all types of things. It talks about ways that people show up in privilege. So you know what? Mm-hmm. What's my social economic status? Yes. That, that's a diversity dimension. What yeah. role or level do I operate in an organization? That's a dimension of diversity. Whether I'm introverted or extroverted, that's a dimension of diversity. Yes. We use a really good one. Um, I'm doing some inclusion training and we use this. Your, even your homelessness status. So, you know, like if you think about that, that speaks to access. If I started off being homeless or I'm a generation from being homeless, it changes how I show up. Um, how it, it's, it's about religion. It's about values. It's how I think. What's, what's my EQ? What's my IQ? Like there are so many dimensions of diversity. And then there's the intersectionality of it all, yeah. which is why I identify with the dimensions of my diversity that I lead with, right? Mm-hmm. Because I am so proud of the fact that people um, in the LGBTQ community have allowed us to start to get in this habit of using pronouns. Mm-hmm. It's been a game changer, but I really struggle because I have more than two or three pronouns. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and who's to say that my sexual orientation has any higher value in how I show up than um, the fact that I'm Christian or the fact that I'm a wife or the fact that I'm a mom or the fact that I'm black or the Mm -hmm. fact that I'm 52. Like all of those things, even at a high level and the intersectionality of it all Mm -hmm. is how I show up in the world. And I think we want to make this really narrow. It's not, but guess what guys, we got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. We got to start somewhere. I want to take a pause because you all can't see Rocky, but she is not 52. I know that she said that she's 52, but she is not. <laughs> she she's is not. not. She just can't be. She's Y'all drinking must- some water that she's <laughs> hiding in a vault. Right. <laughs> she has the, the, what is it? Springs of Minnetonka or whatever Prince was talking about in the backyard. <laughs> Y'all, there is no water you. on Mars, but I think she found some. <laughs> That's God's grace and mercy and a heck of a Sephora bill every month, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> so hilarious. I just wanted to point that out so that people will go out and find you, Rocky, and they're going to be like, wow, no, she is not 52. Absolutely like we agree not. with the HR twins. But I, I had a follow-up question to what you just said about, you know, diversity, inclusion, and how, you know, it's a more a broad spectrum. And there are a lot of companies trying to right the wrong. Like, let's say you have a company that's all white, right? Mm -hmm. And they came out and said, hey, y'all, like, we messed up. We've been doing it wrong for so many years, right? There are no people of color at our company. They may have some of those other categories of diversity, but no people of color, right? So how do you, and they're trying to find out how do we try to right those systemic wrongs of not of overlooking or whatever they did to not have, you know, a fair amount of, you know, black or brown people in their organizations? It's like, do the recruiters go out? And I, I hate this. It's like, do the recruiters then go out and say, we're going to round up all the black and brown project managers are going to round up all the black and brown business analysts are going to round up all the black and brown administrative people. Where do they start? Right. Because they're trying to right this wrong and try to catch up. So how do they go about doing that? So look, I do think you have to make some decisions and you do have to make some conscious decisions and you do have to have goals. Goals are not quotas, people. Let's let's be clear. We could do a whole episode on that. But look, Ooh, what's not measured, what's me- we can. I'm happy to do it. What's, <laughs> what, what's not um, measured d- doesn't get managed. Right. And so you do have to have goals about how you want to see that diversity increase in your organization. Mm-hmm. And I think it needs to be by level. And the example I use is if you if 
if, if McDonald's gave you their diversity stats and didn't tell you by level, I'm sure they'd look phenomenal because it's a whole lot of people of color flipping French fries. But yeah. how many people are at the executive level, the senior level? Yes. That's where we need to start to get to. Um, over and beyond that, and we do have to start somewhere. So we at Smart Recruiters have put together this whole diversity toolkit. Ladies, I'm happy to share the link. Like I said, it's available to anyone who wants to take advantage of it, right? And so we have this maturity model for companies that are starting at the beginning, the four phases that they move into when they want to hire diverse talent, what that looks like. And I believe that there's really kind of four key pillars of success, right? Quite simply, it is, and, and I paused because I, I was trying to decide if I wanted to say something at the beginning or the end, but since I paused, let me say it. We're going to start with hiring and I'm going to give you some, some, some pillars of success about hiring, but here's the truth of the matter. Diversity in and of itself cannot live in a vacuum of equity, inclusion, and belonging. So if you're starting from zero and now you want to change the, 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 the makeup of your organization, you also need to make sure that your culture is set up where when I walk in the door, I feel like I belong and, and there's space for me and people are going to treat me right. And you are not hiring me at less than you're hiring my male, you know, white counterpart and paying right. me less. All of this equity and inclusion and belonging is the foundation on which diversity will exist. If you're not willing to do that, then just stop, just skip it and, and stop pretending and stop fronting and just be who you are and say, this is who we are and don't sign no pledges, right? And don't, don't make no commitments. But if right. you are willing to look at your culture and make sure that you're willing to change and adapt that, then let's talk about hiring folks, right? And it's really simple. What's your diversity brand equity? What does your brand say and is it welcoming of the multiple dimensions of diversity? When I come to your career website, when I look at your product, when I look at your website, do I see myself reflected there? And when I'm looking at your job descriptions, are, you know, are they attractive to me? And guess what? If I'm differently able, do you have a way that I can even come into your process, right? So if I'm blind, can I even see your stuff? Because you, you've made the accommodations for me to be able to do that. So what's your diversity brand equity? Um, um, do, are you sourcing strategically? And, yeah. and and you know, Camille, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like we can't just, po you know, posting and praying never worked. And now everybody Ooh. wants to go, oh, what's the magic job board where I can find all the color colored people so I can get through this? This is not right. the way it works, people. You've got to source strategically. And this means partnerships, long-term partnerships. Yes. It means de it means developing a candidate pool um, and a talent community where you're nurturing that talent community. Like you can't just be like, here's a list of color people. I'm going to send them the job. That does not work. Right. And oh, by the way, while you're so busy worried about those people outside of your organization, do, did you think about the ones that are sitting in? Hello. Have, have, have you given them opportunities? Is there a development plan for them? Have you talked to them? So when you're talking about sourcing strategically, there you go. Now, okay, so look, now I got a pipeline. I've got mm -hmm. people interviewing. Do you have a fair hiring process? Have you eliminated bias in the hiring process? Do you have diverse people interviewing? Because here's the problem. If there's nobody who looks like me on the other side of the interview, then who's advocating for me? Who's able to say, oh, you want you, you don't think she's a culture fit? Well, that's a bias. Let me walk through that. What about a culture ad? Um, so so how diversified is your hiring panel? What's the process like? Do you have um, are you using data through the process? Are you using validated assessments? Are you using scorecards so that you can eliminate affinity bias? And for those of you who don't know what affinity bias is, that's the bias to like people who are like ourselves, right? So are, do you have fair and equitable hiring processes? And let me tell you, the fourth key pillar of success is this. And without this, none of it is going to work. Do you have organizational support? Okay. So look, 
I truly believe that no business problem has ever been solved without leadership accountability. And guess Mm -hmm. what? When you make it part of your executive and leader's performance goals and their bonus payout, watch how quickly this will start to get resolved, right? Um, And then are you telling people what their role is? Diversity, I'm a chief diversity officer. It's not my job to own diversity within our organization. It's not my CEOs. It's not our chief people officer. It's everybody who works in the organization. But if we haven't taught them how, then it's never going to work. And so guess what? That little annual training you're doing where you whip out your sexual harassment policy and your diversity policy, your discrimination policy, and have somebody watch a video and click it and say, I've, I've done it. That's not training, y'all. <laughs> Carla's, been, Carla's been holding up her. She has a sign that says preach. <laughs> she she holds that up every now and then. This is good to hear. This is such a confirmation for me, Rocky. Yes. You know, I just took uh, a position as head of talent at a new organization. Our leadership, amazing. Like everyone is amazing. I it's just a confirmation for me about how I thought about talent, how I thought about implementing certain things. They're all in those pillars. And it just confirms to me that I'm doing the right thing. So thank you for that. No worries. And so look, take the assessment because what you're going to get if you take the assessment is you will initially get um, a report that says, based on how you answered these questions, here's where you sit on the maturity model. And then a couple weeks after, you're going to get this report that says, oh, you were a level two. So based on being a level two, here are a couple of things you can do with each in, within within each one of our pillars and standards to actually drive action. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times we come to these kind of conversations, we get really excited, people go back to their desk and they go, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So so we're going to tell y'all what to do. Right, right. Thank you so much. Right now, we're going to get back into our conversation, but we're going to take a pause to hear from our sponsor, Anchor. Okay, so Rocky has just let us know about this free tool that anybody can have access to it. So I need you all, if you don't know where to start, we'll put the link in the details and post it on our on our sites and all of our socials. But anyway, I want to go back to recruiting hiring managers. Okay, I'm not a full-time recruiter, nor have I ever been. But I've been in HR for a very long time and I've done some recruiting. And I have, of course, some colleagues that are recruiters, i.e. my sister. (laughs) And I do, I've had those experiences where the hiring manager, where you have a diverse list of candidates you interview and the hiring manager is like, no. And they just making up excuses of why they don't want the black person or the Latino person. And you're like, well, This one is more qualified. So you really should consider, you know, making a different decision. And you have to like constantly push back. And I know some recruiters have had those experiences. What advice would you give to those recruiters or recruiting leaders where they're having those pushback conversations and don't know how to deal with having those sensitive conversations, you might be involving your bias a little bit too much in this process and you need to learn how to correct that. How can we say that without being disrespectful and with getting our message across so we can actually have some impact so they can make a different decision? Yeah. Fundamentally, this goes back to what I was talking about, about organizational support. Because that shouldn't be a conversation you should be having. That should be an expectation that's driven through the culture and from the top down. And then when you see people who are blatantly resisting, you know, then you have the data and the conversations to show this out. Right. So one of the things that I would certainly encourage companies to do is start to look at where diverse candidates fall out of the process. So when you talk about I don't think. We need to overmeasure everything. But if you work in a company like that, what I would suggest is you start to say, we need to look at where diverse talent falls out the process, right? Mm -hmm. And so what'll start to happen and become really clear is the best way to deal with something like that is data because then it's not emotion. 
And then especially if you are a person of color, then it seems like it's a personal agenda. Right. Right. You want to take the emotion out of the conversation, because let's be honest, if you if you are an ally Mm-hmm. Or a person of color, you're having that conversation, you're probably a little heated about it, right? And so then it comes yeah. off as being emotional. So what I would suggest is you start to track data that says, here's where diverse candidates are falling out of the process. Mm-hmm. And once you do that overall, you're going to start to see, oh, they're following falling out at the interview to offer. You know, they, they're getting the interview, but they never get the offer or they're mm-hmm. being presented and they never get the interview. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now are there trends in terms of where that's happening? Oh, Mm -hmm. it's George. Every time George, (laughs) it falls out. And now we need to say, how do we hold George accountable? But that's because you have to have a culture and a commitment that's dedicated to doing that, right? And and I'm going to keep it really real, guys. Not everybody's mm-hmm. going to sign up for this and not everybody you're going to be able to convert. So you right. may want to think about focusing on where you can have impact instead of bumping your head against one George. Because for right. every one George, there's, you know, like, nine other people who are more than willing to have the conversation and make the accommodation and mm-hmm. to think about it differently. So that that's keeping it real. Do you focus on the 20% or do you focus on the 80%? If you can get the 80% doing the right thing, then you deal with the 20% through data. Right. That's, that's some great advice. Yeah. Um, you know, something to, to think about and something for our audience. If you're uh, you know, a leader in your organization, you know, think of, reflect on these things that, that Rocky has been saying. One more question before I want to get into, I know Carla and I, we want to get into a little bit of girlfriend chat too. (laughs) (laughs) One, one um, question. So I've noticed that, you know, people, you know, black and brown people specifically used to keep really just straight lace, kind of conservative on LinkedIn. Like, yeah, you know, don't really, you know, make too much chatter. Now, since this summer, it's an, it's, it's a, lit, right? It's <laughs> like, hey, we got this to say. We're tagging the company. We yeah. are being vocal about companies not doing the right thing and um, not embracing inclusion and all of these things. What do you think about the increase of, you know, activism and just, you know, being just free, you know, and which, whatever you have to say about what's going on in our, you know, in the in- environment today in which we live. What do you think about the increase in activism on LinkedIn and the struggles or the benefits? Yeah. So I, I think I'm going to talk about this from two sides, right? Okay. Um, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier in that organizations are going to be held accountable. So mm-hmm. they wrote all those checks. And so then they make themselves subject to being able to cash the checks. And the, the people who cash their checks are the people who um, are part of the community for which they've made commitments. And so I think from that perspective, people are right to kind of say, you've said this, now I want to hold you accountable. Yeah. I, I do think, though, that there is even a bandwagon on our side of it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that some people um, are looking for their 15 minutes of fame. I think some people, uh, of persons of color, are just, you know, Let's be real. There's some of us who haven't done what we needed to do. And instead of being accountable for what we're supposed to do, it's much easier to blame someone else. And mm-hmm. and that makes me, you know, like that makes me feel better about myself. And so right. from from a perspective of being a leader and an executive leader in an organization where, you know, sometimes we get called out for things that simply aren't true. And people don't understand the process. And I'll use a really good example. I, I won't mention the company, but I saw a company get called out because a person of color interviewed and said, you know, I was asked these screening questions. And when I answered them, um, and you, you ladies will probably both know what I'm talking about. I answered the EEO questions. I answered them and said I was black. I didn't get an interview. When yeah. I didn't answer them, I did get an interview. So for those of you guys who are not doing what we do for a living, that that's simply not the truth, right? Like you don't, when you're a recruiter, you don't see 
that somebody is a person of color. That EEO information sits in a different place. Mm -hmm. And it's not like when you get the application, you go, oh, Sarah says she was black and disabled and 50, et cetera. That's simply not the way it works, right? Mm -hmm. And so I do think sometimes I see people calling out things because, you know, they're tired. They've been victimized and they're Mm -hmm. used to it, but that's not the truth of what's happened, right? So Mm -hmm. I think we need to be really careful when we're calling companies out and make sure that what we're calling them out about is worthy of being called out. And we're not just jumping on a bandwagon right now because that discredits our voices yeah, and our ability to hold people accountable. So I think Mm -hmm. that there's two sides to it. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. It's, it's, it's all a, a change in, you know, different, different wave of, you know, social platforms and how we use them. It's an evolution, right? Yeah. So what I'm really excited about is people using their voices. I would always rather someone err on the side of using that, using their voice than being silent. Yeah. Have a point of view. Yeah. 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 So I have a question. Mm -hmm. Come on, Carly, what you got? (laughs) So Rocky, what has been the most shocking, surprising, blaring moment that you have had as a black woman in corporate America? Yeah. Um, I wish I could say that there hadn't been several moments <laughs> for me to right. choose. That's from. a shame. Um, and 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 to be honest, the ones that bother me are the ones that are undercover and subtle, right? Like that. I, I think that that's much more dangerous, and I think that's much more insidious. Um, but the one that sticks out to me is back when I was an agency recruiter, and so. Um, we talked about my age. I was an agency recruiter before there was LinkedIn and social media. And um, look, I remember when they brought the first fax machine in the office and we thought that that was cool, right? Like we thought <laughs> that was really, really hot and sexy. And so I was recruiting in these days and and you talk about biases and stereotypes. So, um, you know, old school recruiters are on the phone all the time. And that's how you start to build relationships with you know, people who are going to buy your services. Smiling and dialing. Baby, right? (laughs) And so I had gotten this client. He'd only ever talked to me on the phone. And this is where bias comes in and stereotypes come in. I speak correct grammatical English. And, I, you know, from the time I was a kid, I used to get this, well, you talk like a white girl. What does a white girl talk like? I speak correct grammatical English. And and there, Black people speak correct grammatical English. <laughs> you shouldn't assume that because somebody's speaking correct grammatical English that they're white. Um, but that's a big assumption, right? And so um, I'd been working with this client and I had what we called an interview day. So we had a day where, you know, for their open role, we sent six, seven candidates. They interviewed all day and mm-hmm. client called me at the end of the day. You know, you're doing your debrief, you're trying to get your hustle on. We need them to hire because mama needs, you know, babies need shoes. Right. Right. And he then says, um, well, you know, these candidates were fine, but these don't send me any more in word clients. <gasps> What? Yeah, seriously. Like, do not send me any more N-word clients. I'm not interested. I'm surprised you would do that. Don't ever do that. Now, I will tell you, I was younger in my career at this point, but I made a decision, right? And I went to my boss and I said, look, I I don't know if you're going to fire me. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is what's happened to me. And I can't work with this client. I, I can't do that. And so you're going to need to do what you need to do. But like, I don't get down like this. I don't appreciate them talking to me like this. I don't appreciate this. We're not. And I thank God. And this is the importance of allyship um, because my boss was a white male. Right. And he said, well, we don't get down like that. And I, mm. I specifically don't get down with that. So we will not be doing business with this company. But do you want to have some fun? Well, what, what kind of fun are we talking about? <laughs> we want to know too. <laughs> what kind of fun are we talking about? He said, why don't we go do a client visit? Okay. So Ooh. he went out. We so, so he called and said, I, I hear we had an issue. Why don't we come out and talk to you about the issue? And so when we showed up, honest to goodness, the receptionist took a look at us and knew what was going on. Wouldn't even let us see it. And, and, and we called it a day. 
because as soon as I showed up, she understood what was about to go down. Like we were about to say, yeah, that's not how we roll. But I think when I think about really blatant situations that I have been in, that's been one. I mean, I've not gotten promotions because of the way I wore my hair. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I've had all types of those situations and I've had them on multiple dimensions of my diversity, not just being black, being a woman. Um, there are opportunities I wasn't given because someone assumed because I had four kids, I couldn't do certain things, but mm. it, it just, it's all part of the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So my question next is many people would say, you know, I don't understand why we're doing all this work and Mm. we're trying to fit in to companies that do not want us. Is it even worth it? What do you say for people that think like that? But I think here's the thing, right? I don't want to be in a company that doesn't want me. That's the truth of the matter, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So I've already told you, like, I went and said, I- I'll be peace out. Um, I know you guys are familiar with the story where I, I didn't get a promotion because I wore dreads and I yeah. left the company, right? Yeah. So I don't think whether you're a person of color or underrepresented or in any situation that you should ever work for a company where you're not wanted. What I do think we have to recognize is because people didn't know how to do this doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want us. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll tell you a little story that may seem a little bit silly, but when people don't have exposure and they don't know what to do or don't know how to do it, you can't blame someone for not doing something they don't know how to do. And you shouldn't make assumptions that that means that they don't want you. And sometimes, and, and the other place about this is let's be real. Sometimes we, we, we need to get paid, right? We need to keep roofs overheads. And we yeah. Get- Lights yeah. on. I really like yeah. the lights on, y'all. I ain't gonna lie, right? So <laughs> um, sometimes we need to make sacrifices, but I don't think you should ever put yourself in a situation where you're not wanted, right? And I think a lot of times that's why our, um, my friend Jackie Clayton will talk about this really well, where Jackie talks about a lot of times where if you are not in a minority, your career path is very, you know, linear. It goes this way or, yeah. you know, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a horizontal line saying linear, but sometimes if you're underrepresented, it's a stair step. Like I got to come over here and then I've right. got a lateral move here and yep. then I move yes. here because we have to navigate things differently. And again, that's yeah. just not people of color. That's people of all dimensions of diversity, right? Yeah. But I take it back to this. I was in Oregon. Um, and I was looking at a job description. I was looking at a job out in Oregon and um, I was in a grocery store. I think the the best way to kind of take a, you want to take a pulse check on if a community is accepting of you or if you should move there, you need to go to the mall and, and the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you might need to go to a couple malls because we all know that in major cities, you know, there is the black mall, there's the white mall, and then there's the everybody mall. And then there's the mall that anybody can come to with a certain amount of green. You might need to go to all of those malls. To <laughs> how you feel about moving to a city, but it's always really important for me to get off the tour and where am I going to go grocery shopping and where am I going to live my life? And so I go into this grocery store and this little boy, he couldn't have been more than three, walks up to me and literally starts to rub my skin because wow. he had never seen a black person. And his poor mother was just, this, I feel so sorry for her, his mother. She, you could tell she just wanted to like melt into the ground, right? <laughs> and I've been down and I played with him and I talked to him and I was like, yep, this mine is different than yours. You know, mine's kind of like chocolate, it's vanilla, it doesn't rub off like sweetie, it's good. And she was like, she just she literally was there and I was like, sweetie, he can't be responsible for being curious and wanting to interact with mm-hmm. something he's never seen. And then that's different to him. There was yeah. no malicious intent on his yeah. part or her part there right. was no undercurrent there was no you know she wasn't hiding in a secret confederate flag somewhere like mm-hmm. she truly but if that wasn't her life and that's not where they live yeah there there's no malicious intent right and so i think what we do need to be careful about 
is thinking that because we haven't had a seat, that all companies where we haven't had a seat don't want us to have a seat, Mm -hmm. right? I I don't think that that's necessarily true. But you know when you're not wanted? Yeah, Yeah. you do. Yeah, And And if you're not wanted, even if you can't do it immediately, Craft an exit plan and bounce. Yes, we always yes. do that in a career salon. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because yeah. at a point in time, like I'm blessed, and that that's a part of my privilege, right? Is that I'm far, far enough in in my career, I'm I'm at a certain place financially where I've got some space. And that's a mm-hmm. blessing. And that again, that's God's grace and mercy. I realize that some of us can't afford to just bounce, right? Carly, yeah. you talked about like the pressure you experienced versus some of the other pe- pressure that, that other people experienced when you were laid off, right? We mm-hmm. understand the pressure points are different, yeah. but, but you can go. Like, even if you are in a, I need my job, you can find another one where people will treat you well. And please mm-hmm. don't assume because there aren't necessarily people that don't look like you that you won't be treated well. We shouldn't make that. That's a bias. And that's an assumption that we should not make. Right. Right. You're right. So I want to end our conversation with this. I want to quote Rocky. We end? Rocky. We end? Okay. <laughs> you had right. a quote that you said, and I want to know what Uh-oh. you meant by this. I quote a lot. So Lord, <laughs> hope I remember so you were on a podcast and you said, start with the end in mind what do you mean by that. My grandmother used to say that to me, and I'll tell you, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily understand it. Um, But here's the deal. Think about what it looks like. Think about outcomes. Think about whatever journey you're on. Think about whether it's, I want my company to look like this. I want my career to look like this. This is what I want my children to say about me. This is what I want you guys to say about me, you think about where you're trying to get to, Mm -hmm. right? And then you make conscious decisions about how you act based on the end that you're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I, I am, like I said, being, being a mother is the most important thing that I do. And all of my kids would tell you, I never wanted to be their best friend. It's not the kind of mother I, I want it to be. I always told them, and I'm a tough and I'm an old school mom mm-hmm. and I love them and they have had plenty of privileges, but they, mom didn't play and dad doesn't play. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you remember how kids kind of go, you're not my best friend. No, I am not. Let's be clear. Kids need parents. This, the, you know, they don't need best. You got lots of best friends. But if I do my job right, you will grow up to be somebody that I would consider to be a best friend, right? It was, and so I had to make a decision about what was important to, 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 not I, my husband and I made decisions about what we wanted our children to be like when they grew up. And that's how we ordered what kind of parent we were. And that wasn't always easy and you know, you, you, there are some times where you, you got to put your foot in your kid's tail and you go in your room and you're like, oh, my God, that was so hard. I didn't want to do yeah. that. <laughs> yep. um, but it was more important for us to instill a certain values, a certain amount of discipline. A, we, there's a certain amount of swag we wanted Howard kids to have. And that wasn't an easy path. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we started with the end in mind. And, and that's probably the perfect analogy I could, I could give you. So, so when you start to think about, I'm in a new job, right? Mm-hmm. What's the end goal? What do you want people to say about you three to five years from now? What's the contribution you want to make? Where is it that you want to go? And then you're now behaving in a way that puts you on a course to get there instead of just showing up every day and trying to figure it out. Yes. And then well, you had a like conversation with someone about yesterday. We recorded a podcast and they said the same exact thing. Yeah. Because then what happens is you spend all this time, you run around like the Tasmanian devil, you know, with a whole bunch of chaos and foolishness, and you're three, five, seven, 10, 20 years into something. And then you figure out, oh, well, 
well, how did I get here when I, what I'm trying to do is go over there? Because you didn't start with the end in mind. Yeah. See, that's what that's why I wanted to end with that. That's a perfect way to end. Start with the end in mind. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So uh, we just appreciate you so much for bringing all this value add to yes. the career salon today, Rocky. We really appreciate it. You know, if you want to, you know, if people wanted to get, you know, connect with you or reach out about smart recruiters, can you, you know, tell them where they could reach LinkedIn. out to you? I'm, I'm, there's the, I'm a Rocky with an I, Howard, S, and it's Rocky Howard, S-P-H-R is how I'm tagged on LinkedIn. Um, I'll make sure you guys have the link. That is the social media platform that I am most active on. Um, you can find me on others. You might wait 16 months for an answer. <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there eventually. But yeah, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Please connect with me. I try to be very active there. I do try to respond to people. Absolutely. And certainly I would say my ask would be interact with the podcast. I just launched this Voices of Diversity podcast. It'll give you an excellent point of view. And on the Voices of Diversity website, there is a contact me, you know, and, and that's a great way to get to me as well. Okay. Thank you so much, Rocky. We really appreciate it. And I don't know why we haven't been connected on LinkedIn. I rectify that just now. Me too. I rectify that because, you know, once you talk to Rocky, she will be best friend in your head. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, right. with the end in mind. Rocky will be like BFF of the career salon, the HR twin. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. I'm so <laughs> honored to be here. I'm so honored to be here. And like I said, I needed some time in the salon. I so appreciate what you guys are doing. I'm so proud of what you're doing. Um, you. I like that you're giving a voice and you're keeping it real, real. And so ladies, keep up the great work. Thank you so much. And thank you to our audience for always supporting us. This is Carla, the HR expert. And this is Camille, the recruiting expert. And we're the HR twins. You just finished an episode of the Career Salon podcast. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at the Career Salon. And don't forget to subscribe and follow on all podcast platforms for upcoming episodes.